the mind really does have a lot of power and control over the body because she had made the decision mentally that she was ready to go. So they're getting the behind the scenes thing. Oh, that's right. I got my blankie. Oh, you need that? Yeah, because it covers up my pale legs and my fat belly. So make sure you do that look in the camera so they can see that annoyed look you just gave me. <laughs> Did you listen to my body image episode? Yeah, me and Granny listened to it in the hospital. Yeah. It was cool. It was actually cool. We did that when she was, you know, before she kind of went south at the end, but she, she actually could hear it and we were kind of laughing about stuff, um, but also appreciating what you were talking about. So that was a good episode. I felt like it flowed. It did pretty well. It was seamless. Um, and you said you recorded one last night, so I don't want to, I don't want to rehash you know, material that, that you might have already covered, but I'm also assuming that you kind of did your own thing. Was it pretty much about Granny? or? Yep, I just said what happened, what I love about her, what I appreciate about her, and... Okay, so, you, so you kind of explained of she had a stroke and all mm -hmm. that and where it went downhill. Okay. Yeah. Um, feel free to. And I'm assuming you kind of talked about your experiences with her, um, which was, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you get a call that she had a stroke, then you go see her and it's one thing. And then a couple of days later, it changes to this. And then a couple of days later, it changes. Like every time you went to see her, there was a change. And it happened it, so quickly. It, it wasn't getting necessarily better, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but you have your own experiences. Yeah, definitely. Um, she had the stroke on, I think, Wednesday night. The last week, the last Wednesday of May. And me and Pam were out of town in Cannon Beach on a planned vacation. Um, and we had kind of made a pact um, to put our phones away. So I didn't find out she was in trouble or having problems until Friday morning when we were getting ready to leave. And then we headed straight back, obviously, and went straight to the hospital. And by then, it was weird because she was initially having symptoms at home. Um, is it okay that I'm going over all this? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, again, I don't want to. You have more. I don't want to I mean, repeat what you already said. You obviously filled me in, but you had more insight quicker than I did yeah so she uh, was at home with Oscar obviously and I think the first symptoms were um, having trouble moving her left arm and her left leg <clears throat> so Oscar took her to the hospital Wednesday night they start doing all the scans um, kept her there obviously and I think Thursday she lost movement on her left side she could, she could left arm and left leg she could not move 
She could feel if you touched her skin, if, if somebody touched her, she could feel you touching her, but she couldn't, there was no motor skill. She couldn't like make her hand or arm or leg move. And then Friday morning, it got better. Like her speech got better because also the, the stroke also made it hard for her to form words. Like she was, she did not lose cognitive ability. Her brain was clear. She knew what she wanted to think and say, but the motor skills were the problem. So um, she was having trouble forming words. And then Friday morning, it got better. Like she actually got some movement back in her left arm and left leg. And I think her speech got a lot better. This happened that morning. And then the shit started going south again. So by the time we got there in late afternoon, um, yeah, I remember the one of the, God, I think it was within two seconds of me walking in when I went into the room to see her, just grabbed her hand and said, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. And she, of course, burst into tears and just, because <clears throat> this was still new, so she was scared and it was all shocking. But she was like, I I can't move my left side. And she was freaked out. Um, you know, I just tried to comfort her. I was like, hey, we got you. We'll get through this. Um, they're working on things. Um, <clears throat> and then when Pam came in, every poor Pam, every time Pam would come in to see her throughout this whole thing, she would just burst into tears. <laughs> um, and she was scared, yeah. So... And it was that first Friday afternoon where she was in the bed and I'm still thinking, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we can, this can get better. There's going to be a lot of rehab, a lot of therapy, but stroke people can recover. They can recover, um, motor skills. They can recover being able to talk. Right. So, and she is in still just like wanting to be able to move. So she, at one point, was like when everybody was out of the room, except I think, I think Pam was there, but it was just me and her. There was no nurses. She's like, I, she's, she had been in a bed for a couple of days. She's like, I just want to get up. She just wanted to set up, kick her legs off the side of the bed and set upright. But she obviously needed help. So I grabbed her right arm. I could, we could hold each other like this, and I would lift her up and then start spinning her and rotating her legs off the edge of the bed just so she could set up. Because she was, you know, she was like, I got to do this. I can't just lay here. But I, I didn't realize that they have alarms built into the bed. So as soon as the patient starts doing shit like that, the uh, alarms go advice. off. Oh. So it was one of the first nurses. Um, she was there that first day that I was there. Her name was Tiffany. And she was awesome. She was a sweetheart. But I remember she came in. She was totally professional and polite about it. But her eyes were yelling at me. Her eyes, when she walked in, looked at me and said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah you you can't she can't be doing this unless there's hospital staff here because obviously of liability and right and they know how to move a patient that's in that condition i don't necessarily i mean i, I mean i i probably know more than most people do just because of my personal training experience and all that bullshit um, so i kind of know how to move people but still i don't know how the bed works i don't yeah. know the easiest way to get a stroke victim up that doesn't have the use of half of their body so um, looking back on it, it was kind of a running joke because when I came there the next day on Saturday, Tiffany was still working and I started making a joke of it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Tiffany. Hey, that, that, she's the one that yelled at me yesterday for moving you. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was obviously still in shock and even denial about it. And, and all of us were in denial. All of us were just the instant mindset was, okay, this, this is a stroke. It happens. 
you can get better. It's going to take a lot of therapy. We talked to uh, a physical therapist there. We talked with the doctor. Um, you know, there's something called neuroplasticity, which is how once you learn, once you lose, um, cause when you have a stroke that damages neurons in that part of the brain, which create neural connections, but your brain can retrain itself to create new neural connections to do the same thing. So just to move your finger or your arm, it can recover, but you have to create new pathways. You're basically relearning how to send the message through your brain to your muscles mm -hmm. to make that same, which obviously your entire life you've had since you were a kid and you first learned to walk, you've created those neural pathways. And then when a stroke happens, they just, they get lost because the neurons die. Um, but we were all in just therapy mode. We can, we can do this. Um, and then like I went home that night and the next day I'm instantly doing research. I'm finding articles about stem cell. I, my first thing, my first thought was stem cells um, can help in a lot of things like this. I'm finding articles about people that have had strokes and they immediately got a stem cell injection and they recovered within a year, six months to a year. They are almost 90% back. Um, and I remember talking to a doctor about that within a day or two later and, she was like, yeah, that's not an option for your mom. Um, and that was because... I didn't press her on details. A lot of it might have been um, because of her age. She was 74. Um, she was already diabetic and, and in you know poor health and all that. So maybe that was part of the reason. Because the article I found about this woman, um, she lived in Roseburg, Oregon she was in her early forties and she was like very athletic and in great shape and they airlifted her up to OHSU and, and, and the key with stem cells too, for a stroke is you have to, you have to get the injection, I think within 48 hours of the, of stroke, the stroke for it to actually work. Um, Meaning the first sign of symptoms. Is yeah. that like how you know? Yes. yes. So like when granny was at home and noticed her left side started to not, she couldn't yeah, move. That was like the within first within forty eight hours of that okay. for it to work. But I think also it has it has to do a lot with your pre any pre existing health conditions you have are probably gonna negate that. Mm. Um and I didn't press the doctor, because um, you know, I, I talked to some I, I mean I talked to the nurses, other doctors, and looking back with hindsight now, <clears throat> I think they all knew that this was going to be it. Um, but they can't say that to the, to the patient or the family. Um, cause we spent that first week from Friday through the next Sunday. So eight days, I guess <clears throat> eight and a half days of hope lining up skilled nursing. She was going to have to go into a skilled nursing facility, mm -hmm. set up a lot of speech therapy, um, swallowing because like even her swallowing was a problem all of a sudden if you can't swallow properly you know we talked about this every time you um, drink a, a liquid part of it's going into your lungs which is obviously not good because you you're you don't have the coordination after the stroke to close your um, your trachea off to stop food and liquids from going into your lungs when you're eating um, so there was eight days later until that Sunday um, where the doctor called and said, yeah, her swallowing is actually getting worse. And that's when we, it kind of clicked that your option, if you want to live, your options are a feeding tube. 
So you have to have a feeding tube. You're not going to be able to like eat food through your mouth if you want to live and try to go through this therapy and try to. So at least for the next six to 12 months. Yes. Minimum, you would need to have a feeding tube. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to die because you, she couldn't eat well enough. Right. Um, Because when that stuff's going into your lungs, eventually you're going to get pneumonia and die. You know, that's really bad for you. Um, And it was going to be six to 12 months before you actually knew your new baseline of how much you're going to recover. And of course, we had, I mean, my mom had already had all the talks, even with Uncle Oscar, you know, they'd already had the talks too. She never wanted to be... um, if she was going to have to be on life support or uh, have a feeding tube to survive, she didn't, she didn't want to live like that. She'd made that clear prior She'd to already made that clear prior to this incident. And then on that Sunday, which was eight days or so after I first saw her when they told us, yeah, the, the swallowing is actually getting worse. If she's going to, if she's actually going to try to fight and survive and go through therapy, she'll have to have a feeding tube. And she was like, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live even for six months where I can't use half my body and I have to have a feeding tube. Um, So that's where we had to make that decision that, okay. She got transitioned to what they call comfort care, which is um, they can't actively do anything to hasten her death, but they're not going to treat anything that comes up. Like they stopped monitoring her blood sugar. They stopped giving her insulin. Um, we would still feed her cause she, she could eat, but every, every, every swallow of, of food, which was all, all her food had to be pureed. Um, but on, on pretty much every swallow, some of that was probably going into her lungs. Um, I would bring her her lattes every single day and it was kind of weird because <clears throat> I was so scared to, to give her any true liquid. Like they would bring these, um, these food additives. Um, you probably talked about this. It's a thickener that thickens any, any liquid, whether it's water or coffee or juice, it thickens it so that when you put it in their mouth, it doesn't just instantly drain into their lungs. It, it gives them a chance to set, it down a, so they can control to them set on their that. tongue so they can actually try to focus and swallow mm-hmm. it. So it goes to their stomach. Um, and we were doing that for a while. She was still eating. You know, I was having to spoon feed her, obviously. Because um, even though her right side worked, her motor skills were still diminished even on the right side. Like, I got the idea within a couple of days since she was having trouble talking, I brought in a notepad to see if she could write things down, if that would be easier. And even that was hard. Um, yeah, motor skills were very diminished. But quickly, um, we were able to communicate. Because, um, again, her cognitive ability was just fine. And, and I learned to pretty much stick to yes or no questions. But then even after that, I think even with you, you would actually be able to have conversations with her. And some days were better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but she could still form enough form enough of the words that you can understand what she was saying. And we actually talked about a lot of stuff when you were there and when I was there and with, with Oscar. And, and um, but yeah, she... It was sometime after that Sunday, she was like, I'm not doing a feeding tube, so this is going to be it. Um, just taking basically a natural death. Let the body um, shut down as it will. And so instead of doing... And that, of, that decision was made on... Sunday. The Sunday, which was eight days, eight or nine days after the Friday that I saw her. So... So it only took, literally a week it took before she week, died, a week before week. she died. It was that Sunday. 
Yeah. God, it happened so fast. It did, which again was a blessing because I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. So we transitioned from looking for skilled nursing and rehab to hospice. finding her hospice and, and a care facility that she could stay at that could do pain management, pain medication to make sure she was comfortable and not suffering and just let nature take its course. Um, because there was just no, you know, there was nowhere at Oscar, Oscar couldn't take care of her at, at his home. We didn't have the room, the, the facilities the, the, there was just, none of us could actually take care of her. You know, there was, I had Oscar physically couldn't and emotionally, um, I, I had to keep working I wouldn't be there. Um, so we were like, look, we, we got to get you somewhere. We'll come to, we'll, we'll go spend time with you every single day, but you yeah, it sucked. Well, we were all on you, shifts. You there was someone with her. Yeah, which, every single which was amazing. Hour. Is between you and me and Wes and Oscar and even Pam. Um, there was always someone there. We would just yeah take or shifts. Or most of the time, two people at night. I feel like it was mainly when it was just one because Wes would right. be there, and I would stay most nights. I was there. I'd try to stay as late as I could, and then I just would get scared. I was getting too tired to drive home, but he was sleeping there every oh, night. Yeah. yeah. So she uh, for that whole two weeks she was in the hospital. She was basically never alone there was always a family member there um so there was so that was sunday when she was transitioned to comfort care and then um you know that was a that was an adjustment just a change in your mental thinking because i was like holy shit just a day ago we were all in ready for rehab because for that first week every time i would come in i would go through arm exercises Mm. and she, I would have her squeezing her right side at the same time as I'm manually manipulating her hand and her wrist and her arm and her shoulder and her legs and her knees and just trying to relearn those neural pathways to get movement. And I mean, it was only a week that we did it, but there was nothing. She, she would focus on it and try to move them and she couldn't. Um, did you guys, did you and her talk on that Sunday, was it, when you guys had the heart-to-heart chat about the decision? that had been made on that Sunday. Yeah, we did because I was at work on that Sunday and her, her doctors, um, they were great about, they would always call me. They would talk to Wes, whoever was in the room. And then they would call me cause I was at work. And when he told me she was on comfort care, I knew what that meant. Cause I was like, yeah, she's not doing a feeding tube. So this is the end. Um, it's just a matter of how long it's going to take. So yeah, I, I went down, I mean, I went down every night after work Sunday and Monday, both nights after work. And we talked and was it, it was that Monday. That was the hard night. Um, Mm. Oh, so she, uh, the transition to comfort here happened on Sunday. And so the next, and I went down and saw her that night, but I think we were all still kind of in shock. And then, I mean, you know, I would bring my damn guitar and I was trying to learn that, that song that she wanted me to play and slowly bit by bit. And then it was the next night, Monday where I got there after work and Oscar was still there. And that's when we kind of had the hard conversation. Um, and she asked me, Because we'd already established that she didn't want to live like that with a feeding tube and not being able to use half her body. Um, but Granny being Granny and always <laughs> worried about everybody else, she uh, 
she looked at me and I was holding her hand and she said, do you want me to keep fighting? If you want me to, I will. And I was like, it's like, I can't ask you to do that. I know you don't want to live like this. And I was like, look, of course I don't, I don't want to lose you, but I know, I also know you don't want to live like this and I'm, and I'm going to be okay. (laughs) I just remember Mm. telling her that you know say me and Wes and Oscar are gonna be okay it's okay because I totally understand you that is not how you want to live um basically she would be bedridden for the rest of her life having a caretaker or a family member having to clean and bathe her and in and in adult diapers and you know how how this looks Mm -hmm. and living on a feeding tube well isn't that essentially how her mom was the last six yeah, months of her life or four months four months of yeah. her life and she had to take care of her mom at home and that so she knew what that, that was destroyed her which i think is part of the reason she was so like fine with this she i don't so again she didn't want to do that to us but also she didn't want to live like that um if she can't even get up and walk around and take her own shower and take her own shit she didn't want to do that um but I think that's what she needed to hear. And I told her that. So that was Monday night. And then Tuesday, I took the day off work and got the notary lined up, got the power of attorney set up. And he he came in and were you there on that Tuesday? Mm-hmm. When the notary when came. When the notary came, yeah. yeah. And it again, it worked out perfect because I had no idea it was going to go this fast. But we got everything signed. She was still coherent. She was actually able to sign the paper and she could talk to him and he understood her. And then it just started going south from there on. Like literally the next day on Wednesday when I went to see her after work, I was like, thank God we did this yesterday because I don't think she could have done it today. But she had... um, and looking back again, I'm so shocked how fast it happened. I seriously think she, cause she like when she would say it to me a couple of times, but she always said it to Pam. She was like, God, when can this just be over? I don't want this to go on. I just want it to be over. Um, and I think, I feel like she, she willed it to happen. Um, cause she was still, I was still bringing her lattes Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was still bringing her lattes. She was slowly getting worse where the speech was a little less, but I could still communicate with her. Mm-hmm. I was still spoon feeding her. Um, she loved the peaches, the pureed peaches and the fucking latte. And then I started bringing her the crystal light instead of just water. She loved that. I saw that on the back counter by the sink yeah. and I was like, yeah, she loved that this? shit. It's better than water. Well, yeah. And at the, for the last two days, <laughs> it was like, we're not, I'm not even thickening this. It's like, she was actually swallowing the, the, the regular pure liquid, the water and the crystal light and the latte. I didn't even thicken it. I was like small spoonfuls. Um, but she, I would have to raise her up, but she was fine. You know, of course, looking back, some of that was probably creeping into her lungs. Um, but she, but she wouldn't cough because normally when it went into her lungs, she would have a coughing fit. But for the most part in those last two days, thin liquid, Whatever she wanted, of course. You know, the mm-hmm. doctor even said she can have whatever the fuck she wants. Um, and she was doing fine. We were still talking. I'd play the fucking dumb guitar and then just spend time with her and visit. And we would have some good conversations. And I found out st- more stuff about her mom and her dad and where she was born. And, um, 
and that was so that was Thursday and Friday. But I could tell she was, you know, slowly just getting more weak. But I still didn't see it coming. We were making plans that Friday afternoon. I had to talk to Oregon Medicaid, uh, Oregon Health Department, to line up, make sure that Medicaid have or apply for Medicaid to help pay for the um, for the care center she was going to have to be at while she just finish the rest of her life and make sure that and that last Friday night and especially Saturday night I was I was all over the nurses and so was Wes just trying to get her pain meds right because it was like every like hour morphine Ativan another third one you would they were trying to get the cocktail just right to keep her comfortable so that she didn't come out of it and get stress and anxiety um but still communicating all through Friday. It was Saturday night when I went there. Um, Saturday afternoon, actually, late afternoon. And that's when it was a total switch. Looking back on it, I should have known that was the end. Um, but I wasn't sure if it was the drugs or if it was her body actually shutting down. But it got to the point where she was, even when she was seemed to be awake... She barely couldn't really speak. The only words that she could get out were help. So when she would come, when you would think she was awake, I don't even think she could actually focus on anything in the room because her pupils were just totally constricted. Even though the light was low, her pupils should have been wide open. They weren't. They were just tiny little black dots. Um, and when she would, every hour when the, when the drugs would wear off, she would kind of come to, and the one arm that worked, she would just kind of start be reaching up, staring blankly into s at something above the room. And she would say help a few times. And sometimes when they would try to give her the next uh, dose of medication, a couple of times she would say no. And that's when I started second guessing. It was like, is she so doped up she can't communicate and is she trying to tell us something? So part of me was like, do we need to just let her get off the meds for a few hours? Is she trying to talk to us? Um, but no, looking back now, I realized that was just the end. And I don't even think she, for the most part, she was semi aware of what was going on. There was a moment of clarity where she told me to go on Saturday because, you know, again, looking back, she didn't want me to be there when she died. She didn't want me to have to see that. And she knew the end was, was coming close, and she didn't want me to have to watch her die. So Oscar relieved me, and it was more of the same. Drugs every hour. She, she might be peaceful for 45 minutes, and then she would um, wake up and help, you know, barely being able to form the word help, and her hand would reach up, and you, you couldn't see what she was looking at. It was something above her. And they'd give her more drugs, then she'd calm down for a little bit. And then, uh, and Wes had been staying, you know, was staying there every night for, he would be there for like 10, 12 hours at a time. So he wasn't getting enough sleep. So he had gone home that day and was just, and just had crashed to catch up on sleep. And he overslept. Oscar left Saturday night, finally around 1130 or something or midnight, and went home just to check on Wes. And he knocked on the bedroom door and he's like, and Wes was still asleep. He goes, oh, fuck. Yeah, okay, he jumped up, you know, um, grabbed some stuff and headed back to the hospital. And he was in the parking lot at 1 a.m. Sunday morning when I can't remember if the hospital called Oscar or called Wes, but he was in the parking lot when he found out that she'd passed. So there was literally like an hour and a half, two hours max window where there was no one there. I think it was I think left. it was an hour or less. I think Oscar was there until midnight. 
So, but basically what I think happened was as, as soon as I left and then Oscar left, she went. She didn't want anybody in the room when she did it. I really think that's what happened. Because she was telling Wes to go. She was telling me to go. She didn't want us there. Um, but it was a shock because I was, I was anticipating she would have at least a couple of weeks having to go through this bullshit in the care center, just being doped up. Um, so I'm super glad that that's how it worked out because I definitely didn't want her to suffer and she wanted it to be over, but I just did not see it coming. So it was such a shock. But again, looking back on it now with hindsight, yeah, her body was literally shutting down, which is why she seemed so out of it. It wasn't just the drugs. It was her body dying. Um, but yeah, it was. what's weird about it is going from the Sunday before, seven days before, where we thought we were getting her ready for rehab and skilled nursing, to the decision was made that she's, we're just going to let nature take its course. Seven days later, gone. Especially considering how long her mother held on. That's what shocked me. And again, it's it couldn't have worked out better because she didn't have to suffer. I just didn't see that coming. It, it, was, it was shocking and a relief all at the same time. Um, but I'm, st- I, I'm still just like, gosh damn, how the hell did that happen so fast? And, you know, maybe, and I told Pam this, it makes me think the mind really does have a lot of power and control over the body because she had made the decision mentally that she was ready to go, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously some contributing factors were that they had stopped treating her for the diabetes. So that, that probably wasn't helping. They weren't giving her insulin shots. They weren't even checking her blood sugar levels. And then she was barely able to eat. So she wasn't getting much, much uh, food, um, not much liquid. So she was probably dehydrated. Um, I just, I did think it would, I think I thought she would last at least a couple more weeks. I thought she would at least make it too, because she had, we had the appointment first. So she passed on Sunday, 1am and, the, and then 2pm on Monday, the next day was when she was scheduled to move to hospice. I thought she'd at least get to <laughs> hospice and that we'd be there for at least a week. Yeah. Yeah. She was supposed to be transported at 2pm on Monday and then they were going to check her in at 4pm at, at that, um, that, that care center and then hospice was going to come in every day and do their thing. Um, yeah. So again, everything actually worked out as best as this, as it could have in this situation. I just didn't, I didn't see it coming. That's all I can say is I did not see it coming that fast. And again, thank God it did. Um, but gosh, damn, I, I really, and um, people always say this when, when loved ones that they, that they lose, think she just made that decision and basically willed her body to shut down that had to be part of it mm-hmm. um because yeah seven days earlier we were talking about rehab and i was going through exercises with her so well and i can i mean every time i would see her i was just like looking at her thinking i can't imagine how frustrating and like scary and sad and all these different emotions she's feeling and as much as I didn't, none of us wanted her to go. I also just feel like, you know, once you made that, once she's made that decision and everyone agreed that we were on this path, she was on that path. I can't imagine 
everyday messages felt like so long and so sad and so frustrating and like yeah why like why go through that for days and weeks and because I remember originally you told me the doctor said like when I asked you like what's our timeline it was like it could be two weeks it could be two months the most yeah so we kind of had this like two month window yeah but I can't imagine her having to go through what she went through for like another month yeah literally it's horrible in a hospital in a bed this ugly hospital room not with being these able fluorescent to lights and white walls. I mean, not being able to go outside. No view. Not being able to really eat or drink much. Not being able to communicate. And 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 the stroke had also messed up her vision enough that she couldn't even watch TV because she couldn't focus on it. I know. I kept asking her if she wanted music on and she was like, no, no, no. no. And that's another, yeah. I, I, did you ever get a chance to read that pamphlet that I gave to Wes about the process no, of dying? No, you guys brought this up a couple times. But I, I think that was actually one of the things in there that they, that at people at the end, they just want silence because they're they're processing, they're they're transitioning to death, they're getting mentally and spiritually, you know. And I'm not a big religious person, but I I do have some, yeah. I do have some spirituality to me. But they're getting themselves mentally and spiritually ready to to die, and I don't. They don't want background noise. They don't want to watch TV. They don't want to hear fucking music. You know. Um. But yeah, she was just. I I broke down this morning with Pam, and because it just hit me, I was like, "Gosh damn! I hope, I hope I can be that strong when I go," because she just she just owned it and willed it to happen. There was. There was never, she just accepted it, made the choice, and was strong for everybody else, and was still worried about her family when she's the one that had the stroke. You know, she would be telling me and Pam, you know, you guys need to go home and get some sleep. Pam, take him home. Ken, take her home. You guys, you have to work. You need to get some sleep. I know. I remember her, one of the, because the last time I saw her was Friday night. It was a time before that, though. I think it was Wednesday because I was there like four times that week. I think it was Wednesday. <laughs> By Friday, I know you said she was a little bit more communicative when you guys were there because I, I got there right after you. But once that second round of meds kicked in, oh, she, yeah. the way you were describing Saturday where she was just like her pupils. Out of it. Just out of just it. Staring, like she was just completely out of it. Yeah. But like Wednesday night when I saw her, I think, or maybe it was Tuesday is when she like squeezed my hand and said... Um, you know, to don't, oh, it's when I was saying goodbye and that I would be, be coming to buy tomorrow the next day. And she like squeezed my hand and said, you could tell that she was like, don't feel bad if you can't, or, right. you know, don't, don't feel bad not coming or don't feel bad, whatever. And yeah. I was just like, Granny, she's still worried you, about, she's like, look, I know you have a busy life. You don't have to come. That's what she's still worried about fucking everybody else. <laughs> well, and I, and I mean, also, she, I think she knew that like, it wasn't easy for any of us to see her like that. I think it was more right. like more of that. But still, you know, taking still, yeah. taking other people into account when she's the one that had the stroke and is laying in the mm-hmm. fucking hospital bed, and and I also have to say, um, <sighs> I mean, Oscar and Wes both stepped up big time. I mean, Oscar had to be there with her for the first two days because Wes was in Tennessee and I was out of town and not getting the messages and. But yeah, Oscar was there every fucking day, whatever it needed to happen. Wes flies out and he was the one that ended up because he, you know, he flew out and was not working. But God, he would spend 10, 12 hours a day there and then, you know, all night long trying to sleep in a reclining hospital chair. 
Uh, and then he would run home and get some sleep when he was relieved. But holy shit. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this whole, this whole thing. And I'm, I think my mom probably was aware of it happening because there was, there was times me and Wes were there together and we're both fucking bawling. Um, but it was a bonding thing for me and my brother. Um, and I think she got to see that. So that probably helped her on the way out to know that that was happening. And yeah, Oscar fucking Oscar is the rock, you know? Um, then I do worry that it's, that it's, it, I mean, you would think that her sons, it would be hardest on, but you know, they had, uh, she had lived with her brother ever since their mom died in 94. Um, they were a, they were a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he, so it's going to be a, big new adjustment for him oscar's in his house day-to-day all alone lifestyle now. Yeah. just day-to-day lifestyle oscar's in his house all alone so and he has lost that was so he's he still has his sister opal but um i apparently she also has um cancer so i think maybe six months or a year to live at the most but after that mm-hmm. all the other siblings are gone oscar's he is the youngest but he's also the last one um yeah and even that my mom constantly uh, near the beginning of it even even in the first week before we knew that she was just gonna gonna fade away she was already knew the possibility that she could die and she was like like i'm leaving it to you ken you have to take care of oscar um because she knew this was going to be hard on him um yeah (laughs) make sure you take zoe to see him um I'm definitely going to be doing trips with Riley because he just, I think he loves having oh, her there. Abs- and, and, and seeing you and Riley. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He loves the dogs. He loves seeing people. Um, and gives me an excuse to cook some, you yeah. know, cause I, cause I love cooking, but I, I definitely don't get as motivated anymore to cook for just myself. And so it's nice, you know, to have an excuse to cook, a dish, a family-sized dish, and I can like take him. Well, some and you and could even cook. Like, what's Riley. a good idea too? Is to get the Tupperware containers and and cook stir fry something healthy and just portion it out. Yeah. And then take that to him. Then all he has to do totally. is warm it up. Um. Yeah. So it was. Um. Definitely. Uh, it was hard for two weeks, but I mean, really, it was only two weeks. I mean, God. Pam, Pam with her sister and her dad had to go through a lot longer period of them dying. It was fucking horrific. So relatively speaking, we got off pretty easy, but I mean, obviously it was still hard. Um, and then I'm sure you talked about it in your podcast you did last night by yourself. Um, you kind of got caught off guard by it. And I think this was the first, and it was the first for me. This is the first time somebody I'm really close to passed, and I had to sit and I had to watch it. I've had family members pass before, but I wasn't that close to them. Yeah, my, well, Carrie's mom, Mm -hmm. Lorraine. Yeah. I was there. I don't know. Do you remember that? It's when I was still at U of A. It was like my. You would drive up from Tucson and visit and just just spend time with her in the hospital room. Yeah. Yeah, because she. Everyone had left Arizona. There was no one left in Arizona except for me, and so I would I was seeing her and and was that it was definitely was really that, um 
what did she have a cancer or a stroke at the end or what happened with her? I don't remember what actually ended it for her. Or was she already having like dementia and Alzheimer's thing going on? For sure dementia because I remember she would think I was my mom and then she would think I was But no was one that from the illness or was she already having dementia? I feel so bad but I, I don't remember because she started her health started to go downhill I think when I was like first started college. This would have been like okay. 12 years ago. Yeah. But I can't remember what it was. Well, and they say eventually dementia and Alzheimer's just in a, in, a, in and of itself, it damages the brain so much that I think it also starts affecting the autonomous nervous system, mm-hmm. which is supposed to control body functions. So hers, that's probably what kills yeah. you eventually. Well, and then she was in a home, a nursing home. and Yeah. So hers, I mean, she wasn't on... She wasn't on this path of knowing that she was leaving, but she was... She Her decline was... It took a longer, longer period it of took declining. longer but you knew eventually yeah. it was going to happen yeah and i mean i have great memories with her but she was my great grandma and so i i know that that was a much harder loss for like my mom and aunt shelly yeah. and obviously carrie who that was her mother yeah um i just didn't feel as close to her just naturally because she was you know um i wasn't around her quite as much so this was yeah and then the only other person i that I can think of I've that's been alive that I've lost and known was Grandpa Jack's partner Luann Luann and that I was in like middle school because I that's yeah. when we still lived here so that was yeah. so long ago and I remember like that being horrible but again I was just so young it's like different to grieve I think well and you also an didn't I don't think you ever had did you ever you didn't have to see Luann in the hospital did you no it just happened it, it just, just happened yeah right, it just right. happened so I, it was just all of a sudden we're at her funeral and it was like yeah. what the fuck yeah <laughs> But Granny, I mean, and I talked about this last night, I just, you know, she's just wonderful and I had such a great relationship with her and. Well, and yeah, I remember it was whatever, I guess it was that, it probably was that Sunday night when I got off work and I was heading down to see her after I found out what was happening or the next Monday that I called you. And it, it was Sunday because it was after the shower. Yeah. The shower was Saturday. And then I think you called me Sunday to check in and like. And just to give in. you an update. And I remember I just started spouting stuff off and you were like, wait, what? What's happening? Well, what? you made a comment <laughs> about a cremation appointment. And it, the last I had known, which I'm, it's fine. It, it, like there was a lot going on. But the last I had known going into baby shower weekend on the f- Thursday, I think the last you and I spoke. Yeah. And that appointment was on Friday to talk to the doctor. And I think that's when you guys kind of all made the decision and things were known. So last I knew we were still working to get to rehab and get better and get better. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, why are we talking about cremation? Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, that definitely happened fast. Um, and it's a trip even now. So it's, um, it's Tuesday night at, I don't know what, six, seven, seven. Yeah. Um, and she just, you know, she just passed away two days ago and and it, it feels like so much has happened in those two days. It's weird. That feels like it was a week ago. <laughs> oh. I am glad that we're waiting to do her celebration of life get together yeah. until later in the summer. I think it'll be, it's not going to ever be easy. We're going to, I'm sure we're still going to be grieving in our own way in different ways, but it's just, I feel like it's going to be a little bit easier to actually celebrate her life and try to come together in some kind of happiness because we'll have time to process yeah we give us a lot more time to process and um yeah 
so granny was awesome and even even at the very end again just handled it strong and still worried about everybody else that's pretty impressive and that's when i that's why i told pam god i hope at the end i can be that brave and strong for Kristen um to make it um as easy as possible so she was still worried about everybody else around her oh make it a little happier note when i was down there again today handling some of the business stuff um remember she mentioned uh, i i guess we talked about it with oscar when you were there sunday she has uh, a record collection so um she also has a turntable so she bought something very similar to what me and Pam bought when we got all of Linda's old vinyl records. So it's a, it's designed to look like an old school music console. It has a really old school look, wood, but it's a brand new turntable that you open. You open the lid and there's a turntable that'll play vinyl, but it also has like a built-in, just Bluetooth, has a CD player and a radio and stuff, and and built-in speaker. So it's all in. It's a all-in-one unit, but um. Yeah, when we go down there um, and start going through her stuff, me and Pam already have a ton of records from Linda. We can go through her records together, and then you, and then I already talked to Oscar. You can you you get her record player. So whatever mm-hmm. record you want, then you can use her record player, so you can actually play them. And it's just a it, it would totally it would it's like maybe half the size of the length of the top of that. So I'm it sure would set. Don't want it? We already have one. Okay, because her and I actually talked about it. No, when we she have was one. Still, when she was still yeah. more communicative, and I asked her if I could maybe have some of her records, and then it dawned on me, and I think I told Oscar this after she dozed off. I was like, I don't have a record player, but I'll get one. No, <laughs> just take hers. Because I have a couple random it, records. It's, it's the same one. It's so perfect. It works great. Um, and you go through her records and pick what you want, and then if there's stuff you don't care about, I might take some to add well, to our you collection. Pick but, out what you want first. but we still have... Have so many records with Linda, um, but yeah. So that. you get the record player and your pick of whatever vinyl you want. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought that was super cool. I want to get the uh, oh, and the gun was Oscar's. It wasn't Mom's. The handgun. Oh, God. So Grant, that was one of his pistols, but she just kept it in there in case somebody broke in the house. <laughs> but she does have a thirty thirty rifle that she's had for like we forty went, years. We should give some context. We went to. We went into my grand's room on looking, Sunday looking for pictures. after this happened, trying to look for some photos, and there's a pistol. It was pretty dusty, too. Like it, you oh, yeah, tell it hadn't been, been moved touched. for a while, but it was just and a random... it was random... kind of underneath something, and my dad and I were both like, wow, I was like, oh, she, had, had one of these. she has a pistol, but no, it was Oscar's. Yeah. <laughs> it was just sitting there. <laughs> oh, man. So nobody, it's a good thing nobody broke into that house, because they'd have gotten their ass shot. <laughs> Okay. (sighs) That's a good point to wrap this up unless you have something you want to finish. Well, I mean, I said this yesterday, but I just, I, I, uh, she was so wonderful in so many ways, but if I had to pick like one or two things like standouts about granny, I think she was such a good listener and could talk and was willing to and wanted to just talk and listen on about any topic she had so much random knowledge in her brain <laughs> and you could talk <laughs> about to everything her, you could talk to her about anything you talked about anything there was no judgment in, and i you, did you I felt did, comfortable about yeah, it i called that out yesterday i was just like she was always so unconditionally loving and supportive no matter what no matter if this was you know 
maybe she thought you were making a silly decision. She wouldn't tell she you wouldn't that. She wouldn't judge you about she it. She would just want to listen. And every time And then time maybe offer talk, some advice, but she would yeah. never judge or be mean about it. Well, and every time we'd talk, it just felt like she just was so interested for me. I won't speak for myself. Like she just always felt so just naturally interested in my life. And she just always wanted to know what was going on. And she was just so happy and content and jolly just to have some chats. And like some of my best memories, even though we had lots of adventures where we went to the coast and did all these things, but some of my favorite memories are just those times I'm home for the holidays and I just would spend the night and we would just be up until one in the morning, just having just coffee or tea and just talking about life. It just was so the simple things with her. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think, I think I get, I see some of myself and her about that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was a great influence and a great mommy and a great grandma. Yes. And yeah, and I know just she would want you and all of us to, you know, obviously we're going to be sad and we're going to miss her, but I keep trying to tell myself that she'd want us to, you know, remember the good things and remember the happy things and like live our best lives and. Oh God, yes. And celebrate her legacy and pass on what we learned from her. Mm-hmm. Um, show that same interest and consideration and, and lovingness to everybody else and mm-hmm. our kids and our family. So. Yeah. Cheers to Granny. She was pretty awesome. Do you have something? I do. (laughs) I don't know what her favorite drink was. We'll have to cheers on her celebration of life. Well, that's funny. She did like one or not She was occasionally, but for the last like 20 or 30 years, she pretty much didn't drink alcohol. Um, But when she did, this is the the funny running joke. We're going to pick a bottle, a couple bottles (gasps) up of this, the champagne. She Mm. found that random champagne at like a Fred Meyer that was actually really good. She found it a couple of Christmases ago because she knows like me and Pam like champagne. And it was really fucking good. And she actually liked it. She just wasn't a big drinker for the last 30 years. Um, Well, we will have some, some of that champagne. We will have some of that champagne. And she did enjoy a good glass of wine occasionally. Yeah. Um, Not a lot, but occasionally. So definitely a connoisseur of uh, the finer um, <laughs> libations. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, this was. Um, I, I maybe you should space these two episodes out, but I'm glad we got to do this. It's it's therapeutic, and and yeah, Granny was awesome, and I know um, you know you just got to Portland in October, but again, how fortuitous was it that things worked out? that you got back to Oregon in time to spend more time with her at the end. I mean, I mean in the last six or seven months, that was super cool that you got to be here before she went. So, all right. All right, Graham, we love thank you. you. Thank you for doing the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of missed it. Bye guys. Oh, Tom Brady rules. Don't cut this out. Tom Brady is going to get ring number eight this season. No shoes nation, baby. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,